0: Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Smooth Operator Edition, as Dave Lapham joins me to discuss the selection of Joe Burrow, number one overall in the NFL draft, and look ahead to round two and the players that are still available for Cincinnati. Plus, my conversation with Boomer Esiason as the last quarterback to lead the Bengals to the Super Bowl Discusses the QB that we all hope will be the next quarterback to lead the Bengals to the Super Bowl. The Bengals Booth podcast is presented by Prime Sport, the official fan travel and hospitality partner of the Cincinnati Bengals. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since. Grater's Chunky Chunky Hippo Ice Cream The first round of the draft lasted for four hours, and at some point, I needed a snack. Well, this week, I sampled Grater's Chunky Chunky Hippo Ice Cream for the first time, and it's unbelievable. Roasted peanuts and milk chocolate caramel truffles combined in sweet and creamy toffee ice cream. I think we have about a half a pint left and I have strategically stashed it in the back of the freezer. I'm looking forward to indulging again during the second night of the draft. Now time for my conversation with Dave Lapham as he joined me moments after round one ended. Lapham, we had the opportunity to take part in a virtual news conference with Joe Burrow a little while after he was drafted number one overall by Cincinnati, and I was reminded... Of his meeting with the Bengals at the scouting combine when one person in the room said it was the best one of those interviews they had ever taken part in, I felt the same way watching his news conference with Cincinnati area reporters. You talk about impressive. He answered every question perfectly.
1: He did. And, uh, you know, I went to the combine for his press conference there. Same thing. I mean, he, you know, I asked him, what, what, what do you think your strength is? And he said, uh, leadership, rallying people. He has innate people skills, you know? I mean, he's just one of those guys that gets it. (laughs) He just, people, people are going to gravitate toward him. They're going to believe in him. Uh, he is, he's special. He is extremely special and, uh, seeing him twice now and both times, not just a home run, a grand salami. I mean, he just, he's hes something else. And
0: by the time he talked to Cincinnati area reporters, he had probably done a million interviews. He was on with national reporters. I'm sure he did a news conference uh, with the bigwigs, so to speak. So by the time he got around to all of us, he had to be a little bit mentally fried, and yet he turned it on recognizing that this was going to be the first impression that he made with people he'll be dealing with on a regular basis, his first impression with many Cincinnati fans, and those are the kinds of things you have to do if you are in that spot.
1: There, there's no doubt. I mean, I think, um, you know, he's <laughs> he grew up around the game. And, you know, I'm sure he's heard his dad talk about, um, you know, guys that handled themselves well and guys that didn't, and lessons to be learned from that. And and he, I, I just think that he, his uh, his personality is 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 that though. I don't, I don't think he he never has to put on any kind of false air or anything else. All he has to be is Joe Burrow, and I mean it's it's just like I said before. Um, his teammates at Ohio State think the world of him. His teammates in high school think the world of him. You know when when college kids travel to the national championship game on their own dime to watch your old teammate win a national championship that speaks volumes. And, uh, you know, he, he impacts people. Uh, and I, and I think, you know, he's going to be, when you, when you look at it, Danny. he's, he's 23 years old. He's not, he's not like a 20 year old kid, you know, coming into the national football league. It's not like a 20 year old kid is going to a huddle with a bunch of 30 year old guys. He's 23 years old. And the team, all these guys they signed in free agency you know, are, are into the, just finishing their first contract. So, you know, a lot of them are in their, you know, mid to late 20s themselves. I mean, it's not like he's going to, you know, he's going to be dealing with a, a bunch of, uh, you know, crusty old veteran guys. Now, he still has to prove himself. I mean, he's, he's the new guy. He's the young buck. But, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to have any difficulty whatsoever um, it, being the leader of the pack. I, th- I think that's going to come very naturally and very easily to him, and, and I think he's going to do a hell of a job.
0: He was so good, he even nailed the question about Cincinnati-style chili, which he famously right. blasted in an interview a year or two ago, whenever that was, and when asked about it again today, he said, you know what? I have to give it another try. Maybe my taste buds have changed. Right. That is a great answer for that question.
1: It is. And, you know, and I asked him about Andy Dalton, you know, and, and, and I thought he handled that perfectly because that's that's going to be an awkward situation for both really, but they're both cut from the same cloth in terms of the type of human being they are. So I, I don't anticipate, you know, any issue there. If in fact, you know, Andy and uh, and Joe Burrow have to interact whatsoever. And I think he handled that well. He said, you know, I have, I have no trouble uh, uh, with Andy Dalton uh, in, in the quarterback room. Uh, With you know having a veteran guy to lean on, or I have no problem at all if that's not the case, and it's a bunch of young guys in the quarterback room, and I'll handle that as well. And I I think that's that's the the thing that you know people are talking about uh, is it swagger, is it earned confidence? Like um, you know, like Zach was categorizing it, he does have uh, when when needed, he definitely has an edge. But bottom line is, he has supreme. I mean. Uber supreme people skills. He really does at a very young age. It's it's incredible to watch.
0: So before we had the opportunity to talk to Joe Burrow, we did talk to Zach Taylor and also Offensive Coordinator Brian Callahan. What stood out from their media sessions with Cincinnati reporters?
1: His effectiveness, uh, you know, under pressure is something that uh, when pressured was something that the coaching staff took note of. I think there is no no question about that. I do think they feel they're going to be able to get him up to Speed quickly. There's a lot of carryover with concepts, uh, offensive concepts that Joe Brady had installed down there at LSU. I mean, like we talked about earlier in the week, Dan. You know, this is a pro style offense. This, but I, I like the I like the term uh, that I heard here um, during the draft coverage: spread and shred. Uh, Joe Burrow and, and, and Joe Brady went down to LSU and, and said, "We're going to put five receivers out." There's going to be five linemen block, and then Joe Burrow, you're going to read it and get the ball out of your hand. You're going to, you know, know, site adjust the things you need to site adjust to. You're going to process the information quickly. And he spread those defenses out and uh, and made them declare some things and shredded them. There's no question about it. And he went uh, from his junior year, they did that like 32% of the time. His senior year, they did it 87% of the time. And that was the key that unlocked Joe Burrow. So... There's no question. I think Zach feels, you know, pretty good about that. That's what he wants to try to do. That's what uh, that's, you know, the passing game like that uh, with, with the one back set and spreading the field with either tight ends or, you know, multiple, a tight end or just all receivers, multiple receivers or even, you know, going totally empty with the back out of the backfield. Uh, you know, in, in the slot or something as well. I mean, it gives him a lot of diversity, a lot of ways to attack in the passing game, and Joe Burrow can read it out. I mean he's uh, he he can he can diagnose. I mean he's wired right. That's what Brian Callahan I thought quote quote was interesting, wired right to diagnose the game. Uh, he's uh, you know he's always prepared. and you know I've asked him about, okay, there's preparation and then there's you know uh, intelligent preparation. And uh, and basically efficient preparation. You know, you can look at tape, and he, his answer was great.
0: He lit yeah, right up you when you asked that. Yep, he really yeah. got excited to answer that. Joe Burrow did.
1: Yeah, he did. You know, he said you're right. He said it makes you, you can watch tape for five hours. Well, what'd you learn? But if you do, if you have a system, if you have a uh, you know a way you're going to go about breaking down tape and, and a process that you're going to go through, and and he found a process when he was at LSU on a daily basis, that, that he believes in. And uh, that was something else that uh, that Zach talked about as well um, when they talked to him. You know, how did you go about getting ready for football games at LSU? And, you know, we went through all of that with Zach. He didn't really describe it all with us, but he talked about that he had that process. And Zach, I think, obviously signed off on that mentally and said we expect you to do the same type of thing here in Cincinnati. I mean, I, I think he's a competitive learner. Um, you know he's he's a cutthroat competitor. He's a competitive learner. He's a competitive problem solver. When things break down on the field, I mean, he's uh, he's going to be a, a, a lot of fun. I think for the coaches, it, it's going to be like I remember talking to Tom Moore, who's now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, uh, he's down there working with Tom Brady. But he was uh, he was in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning, and I got to know Tom Moore when he was coaching in Pittsburgh. And Tom Moore said that Peyton Manning made him a better coach. He said Peyton Manning knew everything inside out. And if I wasn't on my best, if I wasn't on my toes, he said, you know, Peyton was the smartest kid in the class, and he'd embarrass me. So I think I think Joe Burrow is going to he's gonna lift the whole boat. I think that's the kind of guy he's going to be. I think he's going to be like Peyton Manning. Tom Brady's the same way. You know, coaches talk about Tom Brady. You go into a meeting with Tom Brady, man, he's going to have all your I's dotted and all your T's crossed because he'll embarrass you. You know he'll find something that uh, if if you if you were lax in in an area, Tom Brady won't hesitate to point it out, and Joe Burrow's got that kind of football IQ as well, and I think that just makes everybody better. I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic to uh, you know, to witness with with his development here in Cincinnati.
0: You mentioned the LSU spread and shred offense and early in the draft process a lot of people suggested well maybe he is the product of Joe Brady's creativity and, and just about anybody could have put up big numbers in that offense maybe people looked at this backward the whole time maybe his junior year the offense was so lame that no quarterback was going to put up huge numbers
1: yeah i i think i think that uh, he was he was in part of the transition of I mean, the LSU offense under Les Miles, archaic wasn't the word for it. Prehistoric might have been a better description. I mean, it was, it was, he just thought, you know, Les is, I'm going to line up with bigger, better people than you. I'm not going to try to fool anybody. I'm not going to make it very, uh, you know, very sexy. I'm just going to try to pound you with the Leonard Fournette's of the world or whatever. And Alabama would always smoke them, you know, and, and, uh, that Coach O's like you know we we gotta we gotta change that, get go get Joe Brady from the New Orleans Saints, incorporate some of the NFL uh, style of offense, and he's got a very intelligent quarterback that picked it all up, and he's surrounded by good talent obviously. But it was interesting when I I asked Joe you know when did you realize that you guys might have a special season like you had? His answer was interesting. Uh, walking off the field after his junior year, walking off the field in the bowl game. He said you know he he felt like they're, they were on their way, a lot of guys were returning. He knew how hard they were going to work, um, but you know he didn't he didn't realize that the coup de grace was going to be uh, Joe Brady, and that, that was uh, you know that was the propellant they needed to take him right to the top.
0: One more thought on Joe Burrow before we move on to round two. One other thing that Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, his coordinator said that really caught my ear, was that he's the most accurate. College quarterback he has ever studied. The only other person that he mentioned in the same breath was Andrew Luck. Not a bad comp.
1: No question. No question about it. And, and you know, when you look at it, um, it's interesting. Uh, you did a great interview with Boomer Esiason. And Boomer Esiason said that, uh, you know, some similarities with what you went on with Joe Burrow and me at Maryland. You know, we were running a uh, you know a veer offense at Maryland, and it really didn't accentuate my talents. And uh, Coach Ross comes in and uh, puts in a pro style offense, and now I you know show the NFL what kind of physical abilities I have. Well, same type of thing with Joe Burrow, and Joe Brady comes in, and uh, boom, you know there's and and the other great quarterback in Bengals lore, the two league MVPs, Kenny Anderson. The similarities there. Kenny Anderson went to Augustana on a basketball scholarship. Kenny Anderson and Dan Essel were high school teammates in basketball. Kenny was one hell of a guard in basketball. And he, you know, the basketball coach uh, basically said, uh, you know, yeah, you, you can go ahead and try out for football. The football coach said, you know, we need you. We heard, we heard you play quarterback, but his sport was And Joe Burrow was all state player of the year in basketball and football in high school. And, you know, he hits this uh, in the three-point contest uh, during the Peach Bowl against uh, Oklahoma. His team's getting smoked, and he goes six for six from three-point land when he shoots uh, to, to win the thing. You know, there's that competitor streak once again in him. But Kenny Anderson was an accurate shooter in basketball, accurate passer. I mean, you know, see the court in basketball, see the field in football. I mean, he's got a lot of analogies to two of the greatest quarterbacks that had tremendous careers for the Cincinnati Bengals with league MVPs. If Joe Burrow can come close, that would be great.
0: All right, time to move on to round two. Our dream linebackers are not there. Kenneth Murray went 23rd to the Chargers. Patrick Queen went 28th to the Ravens. And the guy that you had predicted on yesterday's podcast as a possibility to the Bengals with a 33rd overall pick actually went in round one. Jordan Brooks, 27th overall. To Seattle, so the the linebackers at the top of the wish list are not there. Zach yeah, Bond is, along yep. with some great players at other positions.
1: Yeah, Zach Bond is there, but I, you know I think 33 might be a little rich. But the way the run was made, I mean, <laughs> the, the the three picks in a row. Uh, Jordan Brooks goes to Seattle. Patrick Queen goes to Baltimore, and Isaiah Wilson goes to Tennessee. So I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, the, the run, the run on offensive tackles, that was pretty extraordinary. Six offensive tackles go in the first round as many offensive tackles as wide receivers. Uh, you know, the wide receivers supposed to be the deepest one of the deepest positions well. Six tackles go in the first round. What's that tell you? Four quarterbacks go, you know, love does go, uh, the green Bay Packers trade to get love. So that fourth quarterback, uh, went and, uh, it, but you know six receivers and six offensive line only one running back the last pick of the uh of the draft the first round but yeah i mean man there were, the were the, the runs came at different times but the linebacker position got, got hit late on a run and uh i'm telling you right now with with wilson gone it's like all right, who who's left? Well, we got uh, Josh Jones is, is, is there. Yeah. I, I the only uh, the only knock I have on him, in my opinion, is he's got short arms. You know, for a guy as big and tall as he is, he's kind of a little T Rex action. But um, you know, you look at uh, uh, Gross Matos, the, the, the edge guy from Penn State's there. A lot of people had him in the first round. Uh, Eponenza from uh, Iowa. Uh, is there Jalen Johnson, the cornerback you talked about, Dan? Jeff Gladney went late, but Chennault, uh, Mims, Higgins—I mean, there's there's a lot of good football players there. But I think with all of these guys that are there at 33, I you know I say move back. I mean, if you, if you have some of these guys, if they're on the Bengals list, if you've got a couple you know a couple of defensive linemen and offensive linemen and three receivers you know, you feel like there's five or six guys that are in the same type of category, you have them all kind of bunched up on your board, move back. If somebody, if somebody really needs um, to address the position group more than you do, uh, particularly like at the wide receiver position or whatever, whatever your, your call is, and they're going to give you some value and you can only, you can go back four picks and you have six or five or six guys on your board that you'd feel comfortable with, make that trade, do that deal, but Yeah, where's the partner? Because, you know, um, the quarterback did go. Love did go, you know, in the 20s um, to the Green Bay Packs, the 26th overall pick. So who is the person that is the one when everybody resets their boards like the Bengals are doing right now and trying to decide what they're going to do? Are they going to keep that pick at 33? Or are they going to try to trade back? And, you know, what kind of phone calls will they be getting, if any? So it's going to be interesting to see.
0: So, you ran off a bunch of names, and I wrote down many of the same ones as the highest rated players still available. I wrote down four wide receivers T. Higgins from Clemson, Denzel Mims yep. from Baylor, who ran a 4.38 at 6.3, 205 pounds, Laviska Chenault from Colorado, and Michael Pittman from USC. A couple of yep. offensive linemen. You mentioned Josh Jones, 6.6 out of Houston. There's also Ezra Cleveland, 6.6 out of Boise State. Defensive right. ends, Yitor Gross Matos from Penn State had nine and a half sacks last year. AJ Epinesa uh, from Iowa, 11 and yep. a half sacks last year, 10 and a half the year before, but he ran a 5.04 at the combine. That's kind of the knock on him. Zach Bond, outside linebacker slash edge rusher from Wisconsin. The cornerbacks yep. include Jalen Johnson from Utah and Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. Stefan's uh, younger brother, and then you've yep. got a defensive tackle who's frequently been listed as a first-round talent, Ross Blacklock from TCU,
1: and Gallimore also from Oklahoma. Uh, I think I think those two defensive tackles have some value, you know, in the in the early second round. So yeah, there's 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 you know more than a handful of guys. And uh, how many of them? How far down the board do the Bengals have some of these guys, or did they have some of them? at the end of the first round because you know let's face it there's always surprise uh picks in the first round and uh this draft's no exception i mean i i, I think people would uh would be surprised that this cornerback from auburn uh it or whatever he he went <laughs> i mean the, the, I, that one I, I didn't i didn't have him necessarily rated uh you know rated at that point i was surprised that thomas went as, as early as he did i wasn't surprised he was a first round guy. to go go number four in the draft to the New York Giants. Like, oof, man, I you know I think he's a solid player, but um, you know, there's there's always there's always a couple of uh, a couple of draft picks and, and and done in different orders than people had. I thought you know Arnett from yeah. from uh, Ohio State for him to go as high as he did uh, to the Raiders uh, was you know was was pretty extraordinary. Rager going to the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, I think probably. Surprise some people, he, you know, he goes ahead of Jefferson, um, and you know Murray sliding as far back as he slid, uh, you know. So there, it, it, there's always everybody always has different uh, different values on players, but you know there there is. I mean, there's there's edge people, there's defensive tackles, uh, the offensive tackle position is picked over pretty well. Uh, the best interior guy Ruiz went. Um, you know, it's it's what what do you. What do you think? I mean, I I don't think you go into panic mode and say, all right, well, we're going to take somebody we have rated more in the late two, early three, and honestly, that's where I have Bond. But when the run happens, you know, maybe you say, geez, you know, maybe we do take Bond at 33. I think you can trade back and still get Bond as well as trading back and still get, you know, Jones and a lot of these these other guys, but you, you never know. But if somebody says, all right. Well, I want to trade up because I really have him evaluated, and I don't know how the Bengals have him evaluated, how, you know, on on their board. But if if a, a team calls us and they're like, "We have to have boom," whichever one of these players we talked about, it is, you trade back, and hopefully they're not back so far. You certainly don't trade back to the point where any of the five, six, seven, eight people you're talking about, you don't trade out of the you don't trade out of the thirties. You know, once you get into the 40s, it's a different ballgame. You still stay in the 30s and, uh, and pick up extra draft
0: picks. So I did a deep dive into the point value chart today for if they trade back in the second round. If they move back six picks, you're looking at a fourth rounder. So a second rounder and a fourth rounder, if the team has that combination that's trying to trade with you. Right. If you go back... Like 7 to 13, you can get into the bottom of the third round with the extra pick. Then 14 to 20, low 20s, you can get to the middle of the third round. And then if the pick is at the end of the second round that you're getting, you could get a high third round pick to pair with it. That's strictly based on the points chart. And again, the team, the trading partner, would have to have that combination to make the points work. Otherwise, if the second pick is one round later, then you get another pick thrown in as well.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, you, you look at it and you say, all right, well, uh, that's why when hit the, hit the point with, uh, with Brooks of Seattle, Queen with Baltimore, and Wilson with Tennessee, any one of those three guys would have been great. And the Bengals were at 33. And we're talking, you know, uh, let's see, we're talking... Uh, 25, 26, and 27, or something like that. I mean, they, they any, all those guys almost got to where, you no, know, we're thinking any one of those would be perfect. It would be super at 33. So other people pulled the trigger on them. But it, it's not like you were way out of the ballpark. It's like, you know, you had them rated there, and then others had them rated in the middle of the first round or whatever the case may be. So, so I feel good about a lot of players we were talking about went – You know in the area but none of them slid if any one of those three had slid to 33 boom i think it would have been a slam dunk pick them take them whoever i can't believe brooks went ahead of queen that's a surprise as well but uh you know in seattle seattle knows what they're talking about seattle's historically had some pretty salty defenses and you know brooks has got a little bit of a shoulder issue a nagging shoulder problem and i thought you know in this era where, you know, you really can't have your doctors put their own hands on him that, you know, maybe he would slide a little bit um, because he was starting to show up in, in a lot of these mock drafts. and um, he, he's, His tape is impressive now. The dude impacts football games. But I, it's, it's interesting to me that Queen slid as far as he did. That was a little bit of a surprise to me.
0: I give you credit for Jordan Brooks because I looked at eight of what I would consider to be the most credible mock drafts First thing this morning from the most prominent draft experts. Not a single one had Jordan Brooks listed as a first round pick. You had him on our podcast yesterday as the first pick of the second round. And sure enough, as we pointed out, he went 27th overall to Seattle. Yeah.
1: You looked at it, you know, six feet, 240 pounds, ran a 4.5.3. You know, ran like, you know, a safety, a fast safety, ran like a slow corner. You know, I mean, at that, at that, Carrying that body weight with 34, 35 thirty-five-inch arms, and I mean, he he impacted games. Now he, his contact ratio is huge. Um, and so, and then it, we, Queen, he can he can run uh, LSU, LSU, and Alabama. Man, those two football teams—they're gonna. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was a big recruiting night for both of them, locking up guys for not only this year but years down the road. And every time there's an NFL draft and LSU and Alabama, start throwing a bunch of bodies out there in the first round, that's that's good for the old recruiting
0: process. <laughs> no question. All right. If the Bengals don't trade down at the top of the second round and you have to make a pick, who is it?
1: I mean, I, I think I'd probably go with one of the receivers. I'd probably take the the highest-rated receiver on the board at that point in time that the Bengals, you know, have. And uh, I, I'd, probably, I'd probably lean toward – you know, like a chennault type guy. Um, I I'd probably, I I'd probably go in that direction. Either that, or you know, Josh Jones. I, I if I, I'd, I'd say, all right. Well, he's not. He's not. I don't think any of those guys. <laughs> I think, I think all of them would still be on the board past thirty-three, or most of them. But if I had to pick one, I'd either pick probably the, the offensive tackle. Um, or I'd probably take you know the the receiver, um, but boy, you know what? I mean, it's it's almost like a flip of the coin, really, because it, it, one of the, one of those interior defensive tackles, one of those guys that that wouldn't hurt you either, honestly. But I, I guess I'd probably uh, I'd probably either go I'd probably end up I'd probably end up taking one of those receivers. That's the direction I go. What about you? What would you do? Well,
0: since I had said on the previous podcast, Jalen Johnson from Utah, I feel compelled to stick with him as my prediction. But the guy that I now have kind of fallen in love with and want is one of those wide receivers, Denzel Mims. He's got the size 6'3", 205, 4'3", 8". You know, we all get seduced by great 40 times when it comes to big, productive wide receivers. I talked to the broadcaster at Baylor, who said nothing but great things about Denzel Mims? So, I'm kind of infatuated with the notice, uh, the uh, the prospect of adding a uh, Denzel Mims. But if I have to make the prediction, I will uh, stick to my guns and go with Jalen Johnson.
1: Yeah, and, and again, I don't, I don't think you know either pick would be like, oh man, that's that's a re- that's a stretch, that's a reach. You know, I mean, I think I think that. Uh, All the guys we're talking about are in that range, you know. That's why, in a perfect world, if somebody really has, I got to have this guy, and I got to trade up, and I got to do it. If somebody said, "Are you kidding me?" Jones was a number one draft pick. He was a first rounder. You know, he might have been toward the back end of the first round, but he's a first rounder, and we are desperate. We we got to we got to take care of the right tackle position. But like I said, um, you know, watching him, he's got really good feet. You know, he's, he's, he's getting himself in position to make, you know, to, to block. So, I mean, his footwork over, overcomes, I think, some of that short arm deficiency. But, boy, that's the first thing I noticed was, man, he's got some short guns on him. There's no doubt.
0: All right, buddy, your day one duties are finished. Get some sleep. Look forward to doing it again after uh, round three.
1: I'm with you, coach.
0: We'll post a similar conversation after Friday night's draft coverage comes to an end. Last night, I had the opportunity to interview the first quarterback selected in the 1984 draft. Believe it or not, that year, no quarterbacks were taken in the first round, but the Bengals landed a great one at number 38 overall. The pick is in, and now Joe Burrow will try to do what Ken Anderson and our guest Boomer Esiason did in leading the Bengals to the Super Bowl someday Boomer, when you were drafted, you had a chip on your shoulder from lasting to the second round, even though you were the first quarterback pick that year. Joe Burrow doesn't have that chip being taken number one overall, but he wasn't a highly touted recruit. He had to transfer from Ohio State to LSU to get his opportunity to play. Do you like his path
2: to the NFL? I do. As a matter of fact, you know, he's a kid who loves to play ball. He loves to play football, and that's the most important thing at our position He's a smart kid. He learned under a pro-style offense down at LSU the last two years, and he really flourished this past season. I, you know, I have mixed emotions. I'm I'm so happy for the Bengal fans, for the Bengals themselves, for Athens, Ohio, everything that comes along with the first pick. But I also have a mixed emotion for Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton gave nine great years to the Cincinnati Bengals. Unfortunately, was unable to win a you know, a playoff game, but you know, hopefully the Bengals will do him right and don't do what they did to me. held on to me when David Klingler was drafted and I had to sit through an entire year of that. Now Andy's gonna be making $16 million if he does that here. So I, I think that would probably, you know, take some of the edge off. But I just hope they do the right thing by Andy and move him out and let this become Joe Burrow's team from day one because that's the way it has to be. I mean, in today's day and age, these athletes are so gifted and want to be the guy in the locker room, and I think that's what the Bengals have to do now. They have to they have to move Andy Dalton. That's got to make that's got to be like priority number one. But man, it's a great day for Cincinnati and for Athens, Ohio and southeastern Ohio, southwestern Ohio. Uh, this should be uh, something that hopefully. 10 years from now we're talking about it we're talking about guy guys in many pro bowls and and hopefully a couple super bowls
0: what do you think it means to the other guys in the locker room to get a player coming off the greatest season in college football history
2: i think it's great for them i think there's going to be uh definitely an an uptick uh in i think Intensity, I would I would believe the, the amount of money that they spent on defense and free agency is gonna help. You know, maybe they'll go more offensive players here in this draft, that's yet to be seen. But when you have a significant personality, like when Andrew Luck first walked into the Colts locker room, when Peyton Manning first walked into the Colts locker room, now all of a sudden things change. You know, Lamar Jackson walking into Baltimore, Ben Rothersberger walking into Pittsburgh, uh, Aaron Rodgers when he finally took over for uh, Brett Favre, those are the personalities that you want. And I think Joe Burrow definitely has that personality. You know, he's 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 got a bigger personality than Carson Palmer, which is what I think this franchise needs right now. What advice do you have for him? The, the easiest thing for me to say to him is just try not to do it all yourself. Uh, you got a lot of really good offensive players around you. Jonah Williams will be back at left tackle. Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard. Uh, you know, you got A.J. Green. You got enough. Talent around you that has had a lot of success at their, you know, their relative positions. Let them do the heavy lifting. You just learn and study, and you become very verbose in your offense and how you decide and how you uh, talk about defenses with Zach Taylor, and you'll just be fine. It's not all going to come in the first week. There's going to be some growing pains. And you're just going to have to deal with it just like the rest of us did. And then all of a sudden, that light will go off and you'll figure it out. And then you'll truly become the great quarterback that I think we all believe he will be. As much as any player in franchise history, you had swagger and your teammates fed off
0: it. Do you see that quality
2: in Joe Burrow? I do, Dan. He gave an interview a couple weeks ago and talked about how he hadn't lost at any level And that's exactly what the Bengals need. Not that Andy Dalton hasn't had a great career in Cincinnati. He certainly has. You know, Joe Burrow's situation at LSU reminds me a lot of my situation in Maryland back in the 80s. Uh, When I first got there, we were running the beer offense, and it was not uh, good for a passing quarterback, if you will. And then two years left in my career there, Bobby Ross came in as the head coach and brought a pro-style offense, and then all of a sudden accentuated me as an athlete. And I think that's exactly what Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator at LSU, did for Joe Burrow. And we saw him put up numbers that we've never seen any quarterback in the history of uh, of college football do so. I think the swagger's there, I certainly think the ability is there, and I can't wait to see uh, you know him wearing a Cincinnati Bengal uniform.
0: The day after Joe Burrow won the Heisman Trophy, you had him on the CBS pregame show. you welcomed him to the family, you gave him a Bengals
2: helmet. Did he make an impression that day? He did, you know, much like Carson Palmer did back, I think in 2002, I did the same thing to him. Um, <laughs> you know. And I was saying what I was telling Joe that day, I said, Joe, you know, Cincinnati's not a place for quarterbacks to go and die. As a matter of fact, quarterbacks flourish in Cincinnati. I did, Kenny Anderson did, Andy Dalton did, and so did Carson Palmer. So whatever negativity you're hearing about the franchise. I think it's more a perception than reality. I mean, it's a good place for quarterbacks to play. And quarterbacks have been very successful here. And even after nine years, Andy Dalton's had a really good career there in Cincinnati. And, you know, when you change coaches, now all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's going to have a negative effect, especially on the quarterback. And I think that's really what's happened to Andy. So now Zach Taylor is going to get his guy. And I think it's going to be a good match. It's a young head coach with a young up-and-coming quarterback who is certainly physically as gifted as any quarterback Cincinnati's ever had. you got to remember, he was an All-State point guard in Athens. And that tells me all I need to know about how he knows how to facilitate, how he sees the court, how he sees the field. Um, And that's the way that he played at LSU. And that's the way I would expect him to play from day one when he gets to Cincinnati. If there's a knock, it's that he
0: doesn't have a cannon. He doesn't have a John Elway or Patrick Mahomes arm. How significant
2: is that? Well, what about my arm, Dan? How about my arm? my arm? Was my arm okay back in the day? Not uh, bad. Yeah. You know what? Kenny Anderson had a really, uh, I would say, if you want to talk about it on the level of uh, strong to extra strong, Kenny had a strong arm. But what really separates quarterback is their accuracy and how they move in the pocket and how they create extra space for themselves. Uh, Joe's athletic enough to do that he didn't have to do it as much as at at LSU maybe as maybe Josh Allen had to do it at Wyoming where he was running for his life every game but I I think his arm is more than strong enough and it'll be all predicated on timing and accuracy anyway Joe Montana one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time was one of the most accurate quarterbacks didn't have the strongest of arm I could say the same thing about Troy Aikman so I would put this kind of ability arm ability in that category now whether or not he turns into a Hall of Fame player Only time will tell.
0: My thanks to the great Boomer Esiason, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Prime Sport, the official fan travel and hospitality partner of the Cincinnati Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde. Thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.